So Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to be talking about eternal judgment tonight. Uh, the first principles of Christ and uh, our, uh, the name of our series is uh, Building Wisely. So Hebrews chapter 6 will, is our foundational text, the first three verses. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. The word perfection should have been translated maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of doctrine of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So let's talk about for a minute the sequence of which these uh, foundational uh, principles of Christ are given unto us. I think every one understands that our relationship with Christ begins with an awareness, an awareness that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. And we don't become aware of that outside of the help of the Holy Spirit. We don't have that self-awareness. What we have is the propensity to justify our sin until we realize that Christ suffered for our sin and loved us in our sin. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit reveals unto us our need for this Savior who loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the first step towards God is always to turn around and to go towards him. Because sin causes us to go away from him. It causes us to cover up our sin because of the shame that it produces, the regret, the condemnation, sometimes the self-judgment or the perceived judgment that we feel comes from other people. No matter what it is, when the Holy Spirit reveals the beautiful work of Jesus on the cross and his glorious resurrection, the first step that we take is to repent, which means change your mind. The Holy Spirit changes our mind about who we are in light of Christ's sacrifice. So it begins with repentance. From there, we begin to develop faith towards God. Once you begin your relationship with God, you begin to realize he wants to help you and I in every aspect of our life and that we can begin to trust in him or have faith in him. His word teaches us how to do this because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then we take the next step and we understand the necessity of the different types of baptisms. You're baptized into the body of Christ when you're born again. There's water baptism, which is a outward testimony of what God did inwardly. Water baptism is a glorious time where you're testifying that I belong to God, that my life is now in him. And then there's the glorious baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that allows us to be fruitful and effective witnesses for God. Laying on of hands after, you know, we deal with some of these these first principles we get to this real personal one about laying on of hands and and this is in regards to laying hands on the sick laying hands on people for the fullness of the spirit uh, to lay hands on those who are being separated for uh, ordination or for ministry so laying on of hands has a specific place within the teaching of christ and when it's done according to the word of god there's a tremendous blessing and manifestation of glory that comes with it. Then last week we talked about the resurrection from the dead. What a day that is going to be when the trumpet sounds and those that are asleep in Christ are going to be resurrected. Everything's going to happen in its proper order and according to the sequence of Scripture. But 
I know for myself, uh, I have made reservations for the resurrection. Amen. And uh, one of these days, uh, if, uh, if I live out the fullness of my life now and pass before the coming of the Lord, that's okay. I've got reservations. And that day is going to come and uh, I'm going to receive a new body. And it's going to be a body that is going to be like none other. It's going to be like Christ. It's going to be like his resurrected body. And then tonight we're talking about eternal judgment. And when we get to this, when everybody goes, dun, 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 you know, we play these major keys like, wow, all of this glorious truth. And now, boom, judgment. Well, we have to understand judgment in light of the different types that the Bible talks about. Of course, you want to be on the right side of judgment, not on the wrong side. You know, we judge things quite often in the world in which we live, and that just means that we make a decision or we assess something based on the knowledge or the information that we have at the moment. You make judgment calls every day. They're called decisions. And, uh, you know, some of those are good things. And... uh, and they're not all negative. And that shows sometimes the propensity that we have to be like more mindful of our faults or mistakes rather than on the fullness of God's grace and his mercy. Sometimes we feel like, you know, once we put our faith in Christ, well, from here, it's all up to us. And we forget that he wants to walk with us and talk with us and be with us and reveal himself to us day in and day out. So, uh, I want you to understand that there's a side of judgment that uh, those apart from Christ need to be very concerned about. But for those of us who are in Christ, then there is another story that I want to paint tonight. Let me go to your notes. And I've written for you that many scholars and theologians have discussed and debated the subject matter of eternal judgment. It has been a discussion for a long time. And this is a list of judgments that most agree about. I've given you two, followed by the one that is debated the most. Okay, I want to make a statement here. Because of time restraints and because this study really isn't about the judgments of God through the Old Testament, which there's multiple judgments of God in the Old Testament. And we're not talking tonight about the responsibility that we have as Christians to judge ourselves and we would not be judged. We're not talking about, you know, self-evaluation and we're not talking about divine discipline that is a type of judgment or correction or instruction that's given unto us in the New Testament. What we're talking about is the end of matters when it comes to judgment, the end of this age and the end of the age that is to follow this one, which is the millennial age. So right now we are in the church age. This is known as the age of grace where grace abounds. And I love that because where sin abounds, grace superabounds. So sin may be prevalent, but sin is swallowed up in the grace of God. And even though our sin defiled us and separated us from God, the grace of God brought us back to God. Thank God for Jesus Christ. He is the grace of God in manifestation. So with that being understood, there's two judgments that most Bible scholars and theologians 
agree on. And I'm thankful for that. There's really, depending on who you want to study after, whether it's a Calvinist or an Armenian, whether it's a Reform or a Presbyterian or a Charismatic, there's there's four to seven judgments that are communicated or are listed in the New Testament. Of those, these are the two that everyone says yes and amen to. So I figured, why discuss those that are undiscussable? (laughs) Surely that's not going to help us. But these two are very significant, and everyone says amen to them. So let's look at Romans chapter 14. We're going to talk about, first of all, the judgment seat of Christ. So Romans chapter 14 And let me read verse 7 through 14 to you. It says, none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. This is talking about the Christian. This is not talking about those who are apart from Christ because those who are apart from Christ live for themselves. But once we've given our life to Christ, then it is our goal and ambition and desire to live for Christ. So there's a specific individual or type of individual that scripture is denoting here. So no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. And that's a win-win. That's not a win-loss. When, we, when we're living, we're the Lord's. When we pass away, we're the Lord's. We're forever the Lord's. Okay? Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died, or for this reason, Christ died and rose again and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before, here it is, the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, let's unpack something here real quick. When he's talking about judgment, he's talking about you make sure you're ready for this day. Don't be concerned about your brother. Don't be so much of a busybody than everybody else's stuff that you forget that you're going to stand before the Lord. This is the kind of judgment he is talking about then he goes on and he says verse 13 therefore let us not judge one another anymore but rather resolve this or make this your determined effort not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way so he's talking you know for christians to other christians and uh have you ever you know sort of joked around with somebody and said you know god's going to get you for that you better watch out god's watching you he's going to get you for that and and, and in a sense, uh, you know, that, that doesn't really comfort a lot of people. Uh, they may not know you're joking <laughs> to them. They might take it literal. It might be something that's sobering and somber. And so he's just saying, you know, just uh, take it easy when you're communicating about final things or judgments uh, one with another. Because it it, it's, uh, it's a day that some people are, are really uh, quite concerned about. And so he starts off with those great words of, I don't want you to be concerned because you're the Lord's. Yeah, I don't want this thing to keep you up at night and cause you not to sleep and cause you to live in fear. And, and I, I want you to have assurance that you're the Lord's and you're the reason the Lord came. And so you just make sure that you keep living for the Lord 
If I could give you any piece of counsel tonight, if, if this would comfort you, and that is just live ready. When we talk about end time matters, there's a, there's a lot of different ideas and threads and opinions. And uh, honestly, I could take uh, a, a discussion about uh, some of these things and I could take a lot of different positions and have a lot of scripture to back me up. One thing is for sure. The Lord knows that day and he knows who are his. Let me say that again. The Lord knows that day and the Lord knows who are his. He knows. And so don't let people judge you. Because if you're the Lord's, you're the Lord's. And the Lord's people are not perfect people. The Lord's people are on the road to maturity. And on the road to maturity, every now and then we fall and skin our knee. And we make mistakes, not intentionally, because we're trying to live for the Lord. As the scripture says, we're intentionally living for the Lord. But sometimes we learn when we skin our knee. And we learn a lesson that way. And that's not a bad thing. Because if we're learning, we're growing. And if we're growing, we're maturing. And that's the goal as Christians. Yeah. And so, Second uh, Corinthians. Let's look at Second Corinthians. Um, if you would. Chapter 5. And verse 5. Uh, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Once again, he's writing to Christians, our desires to please the Lord. For we must all appear before, here it is, the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body. Now, note the word receive. How do we obey the Lord? Well, we obey him in our actions and your body is engaged in all of your actions. Yes, your mind is active, but your body is the one that's actually doing the work of obedience. It's expressed through action, expressed through your body. So for the good deeds that you've done in your body, you will be rewarded. You'll receive a reward. This is the picture of the judgment seat of Christ. You're not going to be judged for your sins Your sins have already been washed away. Your sins have already been remitted. Your sins have already been removed. So when we receive from the Lord, what we receive is based on our faithfulness and obedience to God. That's why when we stand before the Lord, when all is said and done, we want to hear what words? Well done, good and faithful servant. The key is. And following God is faithfulness. You will and I will be rewarded for the faithful obedience of following Jesus Christ. You will receive a reward. That is the judgment seat of Christ. I'll explain it more thoroughly after I read uh, through the end of this passage. And he goes on to say that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are all well known of God. And I also trust we are well known in your conscience. Now in your notes, I wrote that resurrected believers in heaven will be judged for their works. Sin is not in view at this judgment as that, as that was paid for by Christ, but only faithfulness and Christian service. 
Selfish works or those done with wrong motives will be burned up. The wood, hay, and stubble, and 1 Corinthians talks about that. And the works of lasting value to the Lord will survive, and that's the gold, silver, and precious stone. So what's going to happen to all the things that in the times where we weren't faithful, we weren't obedient, those are all going to be burned up, and then everything that remains, you'll receive a reward for that. And so that is, uh, that's a wonderful thing. That God is going to burn it up just like the, the chaff of the wheat is burned up and you'll receive your reward. Now, when we talk about the word judgment, it, it comes from the Greek word bima, bima, B-E-M-A, B-A-E-M-A, which comes from the ancient Greek games. They weren't the Olympic games. These were biannual games that the Greeks participated in. And at the end of each event, and these were primarily running events, uh, at the end of these uh, games, people would present themselves before the Bema seat, before the Bema seat, and they would receive their prize or their rewards according to how they ran and if they ran according to the rules of the game. And so everyone who ran in a worthy way and excelled received a prize. And this is the picture that the Apostle Paul wants the church to see is that you and I are like, you know, spiritual athletes and we're running our race and everyone who's running their race and is faithful and obedient to Christ will stand before the Bema or the seat of God and receive rewards and the things that were not profitable will be discharged and burned up and that which remains will be rewarded. That's the judgment seat of christ okay now let's take a look at the great white throne judgment and i believe i hear gears turning in people's mind this is a great white throne judgment of course this is not a place where believers will be and let's see who the audience is and what is the result of this great white throne judgment revelation 20 verse 11 through 15 then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, whose face, uh, from whose face the earth and the heaven fell away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his work. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Of course, who's the audience? The audience are those people who are dead, not those people who are alive in Christ, but those who are dead in Christ and we at one time were in that category. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we are now alive unto God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. These are the group of people and the individuals who never submitted and never yielded and never accepted the lordship of Jesus in their life. And this is the judgment that they will encounter. And they will be separated from God and they will be cast into the lake of fire. And the duration is very settled in Scripture. Forever and everlasting damnation, everlasting fire. All right. 
What do we do about this? This is why the Great Commission is so important. Because people don't know to believe. People don't know who to trust in unless someone goes to them and tells them the story of the gospel. Therefore, Scripture admonishes us, knowing the fear and the terror of the Lord, we we persuade men everywhere. Turn to God. Be reconciled to God. Because there is a day of judgment. We live this life and after this life, for the believer, we stand before our Lord. And at that moment, we're humbled by his graciousness, by his mercy, by his reward, of which we will return to him, and rightly so. But for those that don't know him, for those who have rejected him, for those who have never yielded and submitted to him, this can only be a group of people who willingly of their own choice said no to Jesus because God is a righteous judge. No one will be judged in a unrighteous or an unjust way. It's not within God's nature and he would never do that. So this is a group or a category of people that will be eternally separated from God. Therefore, we implore people, be reconciled to God. We beseech people, be reconciled to God. And God loves you. And you don't have to work for it. It is the gift of God. Receive that gift. And don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Don't say tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month. So these are things in regards to eternal judgments. Now, we have just a minute left, and so I, I want to read the last paragraph that I've given unto you in your notes. The judgment that is most debated, this is, is the judgment of the nations. It's found in Matthew 24. It begins in verse 29, and it runs through the complete chapter of 25. The point of debate is... Which people group is Jesus making reference unto in these parables, Jews or Gentiles? And this judgment takes place at the second coming of Christ, which coincides with the end of the tribulation period. Uh, Just for a moment, let's take a look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And Jesus is talking about end time matters because his disciples are asking him about that. And they want to know the signs of the time and the end of the age. And so he begins to share with them about the various signs that would be occurring. And then in verse 15, he starts talking about a transition called the Great Tribulation. And at the end of that discourse, he says in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is what most theologians believe is the second coming of Christ. Now, what's preceded this? What's preceded this is the rapture, the catching away of the believers. So we're going to be 
not present. We're not going to be present during this time. We're going to be with the Lord, and this is where we're going to be uh, standing before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be partaking of the great supper of the Lamb. And then at the end of the tribulation, we will return with the Lord. And this is what this portion of Scripture is talking about. And verse 44 tells us, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then in verse 51, talking about the Lord, And will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a type of judgment. This is where the discussion historically has, has, you know, begun. Is this, you know, when in the chronological timeline of God's prophetic word are all of these events going to take place? Uh, I believe it is at the end of the tribulation period because that's the sequence in which Jesus teaches. So I'm just following chronologically what Jesus is teaching here. Because he's answering a specific question of his disciples. So if I'm going to err, I'm going to err with Jesus. And he doesn't err that much. But I'm also going to say I could be in error because it could have multiple interpretations. But once again, the Lord knows the day and the Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord... Depart from iniquity. I think maybe the most dangerous place to be in your life at any time is in a season where you know to do good and you're not doing it. And you're willfully allowing disobedience to separate you from your Savior. There have been multiple discussions throughout the years by people much wiser and much more knowledgeable in the Bible than me about their very, very uncertain what happens to individuals who pass in that condition. We're talking willful, defiant, rebellious disobedience. We're not talking about weakness of the flesh. We're not talking about maturity issues here. We're talking about those people that are snubbing their nose at God and saying, there's nothing to fear, including you. Ouch. That's, that's just not a safe place to be. Could I get an amen? Right. So I don't want you to feel like if you make a mistake and you pass away that you're not the Lord's. No, you made a mistake. Making a mistake and maliciously, intentionally doing something, those are two different things, correct? And so let's, let's uh, always be mindful of that. Let's always be mindful of that. And those are the areas that the Lord says, hey, I'll take care of that. Don't, don't you worry about it. And verse 25, of course, I mean, chapter 25, and, and it just so many great verses. And, uh, but I want to finish it off just by reminding you and uh, in verse 30 of chapter 25, and he says, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a type of judgment. Verse 46, chapter 25, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.